Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Go Steelers! Go Steelers! Say go Steelers! Go Steelers! What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Steelers Outpost Podcast, a proud member of Sports Drink Network. This is Nick coming to you from the Mobile Houston Outpost here. And it is a beautiful week of NFL football, despite the Steelers not playing a game. And I, yes, that probably makes it a more beautiful week because, good God, it's unwatchable. We all know that. But look, the future is potentially bright in Pittsburgh. There's some things that we've talked about recently, some signs uh, to be observed to say the Steelers aren't exactly that far off from being a really good NFL team. And by the same token, let's admit the, the reality, they're also not that far off from being a, a bad NFL team. So this next offseason is going to be an, an incredible shift one way or the other for the Steelers. But I'm going to take a week off, thank God, from talking specifically about the Steelers and rather turn my attention to some bigger NFL stories and just media trends that I do think relate heavily to what the Steelers are going through. And so last year, or last year, last week, the trend I was talking about is sort of the epidemic of offensive coordinators who are running overly simplistic, short-passing offenses and how they're kind of falling on their faces. Obviously, I'm talking about that in relation to how that relates to Matt Canada, which is a huge problem in Pittsburgh. But if you look around, it's not just in Pittsburgh. He might be the worst one, and he is. But the Chargers, I'm trying to say San Diego, I mean, it's impossible. To, who cares about the Chargers? But Chargers have one of the most athletic, impressive throwing quarterbacks ever, and they're just throwing short nonstop. So we're seeing a bunch of offenses being castrated by this overreaction the NFL has had to Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan and hiring the quote-unquote young guys who have had a cup of coffee with these type of dudes. They're trying to run these little slick offenses, but what I think is a lot of these coordinators misinterpret McVay and Shanahan, who are absolutely, unequivocally run-first offenses, where everything is based on the run, and these guys are just turning into short passes. So I want to keep an eye on that for the rest of the NFL season. But the big topic for today is the guy analysis. And that's quarterback talk. The amount of waffling around on whether these quarterbacks are good or not, the amount of definitive statements on guys like Malik Willis, who have played two games coming out of Liberty, where like, he doesn't look good. It's hilarious and shocking. And part of my take, the number one sports podcast in the world, does a spectacular job of satirizing all of this type of knee-jerk reaction, hot take, uh, sports talk culture. Um, and then the funniest part about it is given the fact that those guys are truly 
big fans themselves. They admit that sometimes the joke sort of goes full circle and the hot takes that they're talking about, like, let's, you know, in relation to whether a quarterback's the guy or not, they actually do become real on the podcast themselves. So you hear the sort of the human psyche behind this thing and, and how it's hard to avoid. But I, I just can't believe the quarterback takes I'm seeing this weekend in the past two weeks on the young guys. And particularly this weekend, it's going to be Justin Fields, uh, Zach Wilson. And then I'm also hearing the – obviously, can I pick out? I'm also hearing these retroactive takes on Josh Allen and how he ascended or didn't ascend. And it is just truly shocking to see how people – waffle back and forth and i think there's some stuff to be gleaned from that topic so i've been getting a ton of texts from friends over the weekend asking me if i think kenny pickett is the guy or if the steelers need to take advantage of this rare opportunity in front of them to potentially draft a quarterback in the top 10 and obviously it's a legit question i know you know Take Kenny Pickett out of the equation. Steelers have had two quarterbacks drafted in the top 10. Well, you know, Ben was 11, but he's a top 10 prospect kind of guy. He's like, because he was in a small school. And when they got those quarterbacks, they won six Super Bowls and went to seven. Uh, in between, they didn't have any elite uh, talent quarterbacks for 20 years. And there's not a single one of them that was even good. No offense to Cordell. So it's a legit question if they should take advantage of that opportunity. But the question about whether I think Kenny Pickett is the guy or not is factually insane. And I am realizing that there are people, not just my friends, but the media and Twitter who are implying that you could possibly have any idea after three games whether Kenny Pickett is going to be bad or good. We don't know. The, the, that's the thing. The evidence is inconclusive. You can use the – it feels like a hacky argument or whatever, but take any player. I mean, Ben, if he wasn't on that team, that amazing team as a rookie, you wouldn't have known after three games. Troy Polamalu wasn't good after three games. James Harrison wasn't good after three games. TJ Watt had an amazing first game of his career, but he wasn't great after three games. It's insane. We don't know if he's going to be good or bad. We see evidence – of things that he can do that is good already. Things that translate, okay, I don't need more than a, a game to see, oh, this guy can really move around in an NFL pocket and an NFL field. And okay, he can make some, some good throws into coverage and he looks at home athletically on the field. Great, yeah, we can tell that already. And there are some bad things that he does that are the same bad things he did at Pitt. So, okay, this guy doesn't know how to stay in the pocket. He bails the pocket to the right at the first sign of pressure. He doesn't have a big arm. It's not a bad arm, but it's definitely not a big arm and doesn't really attack down the field. And it really doesn't help at this point. And this is why sample size is so critical that not only does he not like to attack downfield, but you have the worst downfield passing attack and worst bad uh, downfield strategy just that's ever existed in the history of the NFL with Matt Canada here. And so it's just inconclusive. Like, but the analysis of, oh, man, he looks bad. He's throwing interceptions. He's bailing out of the pocket. We, we knew that already coming out of pit. To think that that would be solved in three games already is actual insanity. Kenny Pickett is an interesting quarterback prospect. He's not Andrew Luck. It's not this guarantee where, hey, this guy's got to come in as a rookie and be that dude. And it is really interesting to see where people misinterpret that 
like with the Trevor Lawrence thing, that's probably a different discussion. Trevor Lawrence, Tua are more examples of guys like, ooh, they're really talented and they're good, but they play for the best team. They're awesome. And, hey, there's some issues with Trevor Lawrence's throwing. If you just look at him, he, he throws weird and differently every time he touches the ball. But he won a lot, and he's really famous. I know he's the guy. Versus Andrew Luck, where it's like, wow, we saw him do this for, you know, multiple years. Anyways, anyways, don't let me get, don't let me get sidetracked on that. The point is that Kenny Pickett is not Andrew Luck as a prospect. And people legitimately expect him to have fixed all those issues he has within three weeks. And by the way, he didn't even get into starter reps in the offseason or the beginning of this year. So we don't know yet. And I think that's going to make some Kenny Pickett fans happy to hear. But here's the other side of the coin. Like, we definitely don't know if he's going to be good yet either because he has those issues of, of bailing the pocket and this or that. There's, it's the time will question. Like, is that something that can be fixed? Somebody who doesn't like to stay in the pocket? That's what we talked about with Mitch Trubisky with the bailing. Mitch has it to a worse extent. I think because he has better athletic ability, so he's more tempted to do it, and he was more able to rely on that throughout his life. But is that something that can be taught or not? The answer is we don't know. I'll say this. Ben Roethlisberger got much better at that over the second half of his career when he became a true pocket passer who would occasionally break the pocket and make people miss, even up to until, you know, 36 years old or whatever. He'd still make a guy miss here or there. But it wasn't so reliant on breaking the pocket and running around and throwing bombs like it was in his early career. Um, so we have seen a guy in Pittsburgh do it. So I don't think that that's impossible, but that's just the thing on Kenny Pickett is we really don't know, but the pressure added of the incredible opportunity the Steelers have to potentially have a top 10 pick, which they rarely have, but also have that top 10 pick where you have a roster that actually already has quite a bit quite a few pieces in place with young, super talented guys who are locked up, Minka and TJ and, you know, potentially Highsmith, depending on how the draft goes this year. Um, you know, Pickens and Fryermuth. You have quite a few pieces here. You're not like where the Jets were, the Jaguars were when they're starting from nothing. And you do have to look at that top 10 pick and say, hey, this could be a legitimate opportunity. Um, and... So by the end of the year, you do have to make a decision on Kenny Pickett. And you, it might be an incomplete, inconclusive set of data, which is also heavily toxified by the fact that you're seeing him play with a, one of the worst offensive coordinators in the history of the league. But there, what does he have? You know, almost 10 games left. There should be enough time to see some, some good glimpses. Um, now, that's what I think they should do, but I know they won't. It, it sort of doesn't matter how well, how good or bad Kenny plays. I would assume they're giving him time no matter what. That's the Steelers' way. It worked with Terry Bradshaw. He sucked for five years, and then we made him the guy. Sorry about all the noise here. There's a truck of some sort outside. Um, but the Steelers won't give up on Kenny either way. And that's my prediction. I could be wrong. Because the Omar Khan reign has begun in Pittsburgh, and even trading Claypool, a starting player, midway through the season, uh, it doesn't seem like a very Steelers move. And so maybe that gives us signs that, hey, if Kenny's not the guy, then maybe they will be to take a quarterback or try to. Because, by the way, 
do you think that Stroud and, and Bryce Young are better and Will Levis? Maybe. We'll see by the end of the year. Probably yes. I mean, just based on what we've seen already. But I don't know if the Steelers can even get them anyways because the Texans and the Lions and other teams are probably going to beat the Steelers out. Um, I could be wrong. Hopefully the Steelers stay healthy. If the Steelers got a bad injury or something, that could change. But um, you still might not be able to get them. But I guess I'm just saying in terms of process, that's where we're at. All right, so the next topic, it was really the, the overall topic I wanted to talk about, which is the media judgment of these quarterbacks. So Justin Fields, talented quarterback, gets drafted to the Bears, who have 0.0 talent. They have no talent. Like football is an absolute team game. The way we rewrite this thing just to shape it like it was all the quarterback is ridiculous. When you're looking at the offseason, everyone says, oh, my God, Chicago, they're going to be unwatchable. They're terrible, they're terrible. They draft Justin Fields. Okay, he's going to have a hard time there. He has no talent around him, and they kill quarterbacks. And then the games start, and all of a sudden, we just throw all that analysis out the window. Now it's no longer, oh, Justin doesn't have talent around him. It's, oh, maybe Justin Fields isn't good. And then late, so why do we forget that context? Because it's sexier and easier and more fun to freak out about it's all quarterback, right? So at the end of last year, particularly like starting with that Steelers game, Justin Fields really started looking the part. It's obvious that athletically, there's very few guys like him. I know more freaks are coming into the NFL every year, but the guy looks like a golden god. He's like a shorter Cam Newton with a little bit of a smoother throwing style. We all knew that worked, but damn, he, he was throwing some dimes against the Steelers, and you saw his speed was surprising. Like We knew he was fast and athletic, but... His speed and ability to move started looking like, ooh, this, we're not going to say Lamar, nobody's Lamar, but this is probably in the Lamar-Kyler tier of these are the best scrambling quarterbacks, period, on Josh Allen. These guys, this is a crazy level of talent. And at the end of the year, you're thinking, wow, Justin Fields, with no talent around him, is looking this good. Hopefully, they'll pick up some receivers or offensive linemen in the offseason to help him out. And what do they do in the offseason? Pick up none. Absolutely nothing. And what do we all say in the offseason? Oh, my gosh, they're going to screw Justin Fields over. He has no talent around him at all and no, no structure, nothing. We're just expecting this guy to be Andrew Luck times two and, and without Reggie Wayne, and hopefully he can make it work. And brand-new coaching staff, and they're looking terrible through the first few games. They're only letting him throw like 15 passes a game. And we say, well, he sucks. And that just doesn't make any sense. And now he has two good games where the idiots in Chicago finally start using him as a running quarterback. And we're saying, oh, he looks amazing again. Like, I know he struggled in the beginning of the season. I'm not saying that's all the rest of the team. But I'm just trying to – it's context. Everything is context. If you've expected these guys to all be Josh Allen day one, you're a moron because that's not how they work. So that frustrates me. And I guess it, So the last couple points about – um, Justin Fields are this. One, we have to start looking at some quarterbacks in the NFL in a different light, and we have to stop letting Tom Brady and you know, even Ben, to an extent, fry our brains. And, like, the guy needs to be a 20-year quarterback. If he's not a 20-year quarterback, this isn't sustainable. We need to start looking at some of these athletic quarterbacks who are spectacular players, MVP-type players, game-changing players, and we have to start looking at them as like, hey, it might be a 10-year career, okay? It might be 12 years. It's not going to be 18, but 
you need to let them run with the ball. And I think there's there's this connotation with the running quarterback that he's like not as much of a quarterback and he needs to eventually learn how to throw from the pocket. That's what everyone says. And obviously, you know, complete passes from the pocket. But when people are saying he needs to learn how to throw the po- from the pocket, what they're really saying is he needs to become Tom Brady. He needs to become Peyton Manning. And that is just so not true. You need to be functional from the pocket, sure. But Tom Brady didn't have the receiver's as wide open as Lamar Jackson's going to have when every defense is soiling themselves because of his ability to run. And if you take Lamar's ability, if you take Lamar where he is right now, he's an MVP. One of the easiest MVP years we've ever seen. Like, okay, obviously it's this guy. He does so much on his own and where he's a force of nature. He's unbeatable. It is like a Josh Allen. You know, Ben's not the same sort of thing, but watching Ben play for so many years, it was sort of inevitable. Like, eventually, he's going to break the pocket and he's going to throw a dime 60 yards down the field. Lamar Jackson is a force of nature. Cam Newton, all the terrible teams he played on, he was dominant. You're going to look, oh, the records, the wins and losses. Stop it. Watch him play. I mean, he's throwing to nobody. Greg Olson is his best receiver. And then, oh, he had Steve Smith for a year. What did he do with him? Dominated. Yes, exactly. Sort of proof of concept, right? So, anyways, if they take Justin Fields, you need to keep playing him like this. Let him run with the ball. He, yes, he does have to get smart. He actually, or he is pretty smart, about not taking hits. Yes, you have to improve from the pocket. Those things will happen, for sure. But... Don't take away what makes the player special. It's like asking Barry Sanders to, hey, you need to run in between the tackles more. Like, I like what you're doing. It's just not working that well. It's like telling Earl Campbell, like, hey, you're a great power runner, but you need to break to the outside some more. Or it's like taking Randy Moss, who just runs past every person and scores millions of touchdowns. Like, this is great, but we need you to run the five-yard slant a little bit better. We need you to run these ticky-tack routes. No, you don't. There are some players who are just athletically better, even in the league, of the greatest athletes in history, and you need to play them like that. So I hope they look at Justin Fields that way. Um, okay, the last thing, yeah, so the, the, the flip-flopping back and forth about whether this player is good or not. Uh, Malik Willis is another one, I'd like to say, where they're looking at his first two games, and he's throwing basically 10 times a game and getting like 80 yards. They're like, wow, Malik doesn't look good. What Malik, what are you talking about? There's nothing to look at yet. There's not enough sample size. He's playing on a team with the worst receiving core in the league. He's coming from Liberty, where we know he's unbelievably raw and talented. What, why do we talk about that all year? And then the second the year starts, the expectation completely changes. Like, well, see, look at that. He wasn't ready. He wasn't an NFL quarterback. No, you're saying he wasn't ready to be a star as a rookie, which we all already agreed on. What are we doing here? I don't like there. I have nothing for the analysis of Malik's performance except for when you see him on the field. You can all, all you can test is the talent. Like, ooh, wow, yeah, he can run past people. Wow, he can really fit the ball in tight circles. Um, we already know about the inability to read the field and really play the quarterback position true to the position. We knew about that. That's there already. That was going to translate for if you're not doing it in college, you're definitely not going to step into the NFL and do it right away, right? But then so many questions about the guy at Liberty. Okay, he's fast and he has a great arm, but he's playing against – there's a German Shepherd. He's playing against 
you know, Division One AA talent or whatever it was, will the speed and arm strength translate to NFL? That's a question we can answer right away. Same with kind of Kenny Pickett. Like, yeah, we know he's not going to be a running quarterback, but he's a great scrambler in college. Is he going to be able to do that in the NFL? Yes, he can. We're seeing that. So that's what I'm looking at from Malik. And then the unfortunate part that everybody has to understand about the quarterback analysis thing is like, we want to be able to tell. Guess what? You're not going to be able to tell for a while. Because with Malik, I don't know why the expectation would be that all of a sudden he can read defenses when we knew that that was going to take a while, especially when you're considering he's on a team with no receiving talent or pass blocking and a coach who's badass and managing him and making sure that like, hey, so we've got Derrick Henry. We're just going to hand the ball to him a thousand times. And look, every week we're in the game against the best team we're beating them. It, it makes perfect sense. I don't know why you'd be judging his play. Like I saw people like Kenny Pickett fans should be happy after these games from Malik Willis. Also, secondarily, what, what are you talking about? Kenny's got 100 interceptions already, which I don't care about. But, yeah, that's my thing with Malik. And then the last thing I want to relate back to Zach Wilson and Josh Allen is this constant discussion I, I keep seeing. Um, there's a hate for Zach Wilson for some reason. Just trendy. People decided to hate him. I don't know if it's because – He's such a funny, good-looking little Ken doll guy, and uh, his talent is amazing, and people always want to wanna say, hey, throwing isn't the biggest thing. Like, you need to have a brain when throwing is definitely the biggest thing, and there's almost no quarterbacks ever who were great who weren't elite throwers. And so I don't know if it's this weird hot take, but people are saying Zach Wilson sucks because uh, he's not lighting it up. The team's playing really well, but he's not lighting it up, um, and he's had some moments of playing poorly. Uh, but it's not any different from any of the other quarterbacks, which is weird to me. And Jets fans who are freaking out are saying, hey, you know, Josh Allen took a few years to really take off. And I'm seeing, which is a legitimate point to make, like, hey, this could happen. I'm not saying it's going to happen for Zach Wilson or not, but it could happen. And then I'm seeing some other people say, comparing Zach Wilson's talent to Josh Josh Allen, the most physically talented quarterback prospect of all time, that's insane. And I'm looking at them and thinking, like, you don't do you even know what you're watching at all? Because besides the size, which is a massive factor, I mean Josh Allen being humongous is is a big deal. But besides the size, their talents are extremely comparable. I don't think people realize how spectacular Zach Wilson's arm is. And it's not, when you say an arm, it's arm talent. It's not just that he throws the ball hard. It's he throws it hard with his feet on the ground, off the ground, running left, running right, side arm, overhand, everything. It's effortless, right? And his scrambling is unbelievable. His ability to escape pressure, it's almost Kyler Murray-esque. It is truly an elite talent. Um, Now, what does he do with that? Stupid things. Yeah, he runs backwards too much. But his ability to scramble is truly incredible. So when you combine a top-tier arm with a top-tier pocket evasiveness, it's like, well, yeah, you mean Josh Allen, but shorter? So it is a good comparison in terms of wondering, okay, we got a quarterback who's coming from a school that didn't have much competition, Wyoming and BYU. And no, I know Wyoming is not as good as BYU, but do not tell me BYU had good competition. They have incredible physical talents. Yes, Josh Allen's is more, of course, because it's more than every quarterback has ever played. But there is reason to believe that, okay, you're also playing for a team 
that now the Jets have some talent on receiver and stuff like that, especially with Wilson, um, Garrett Wilson popping off right away. Unfortunately, Brees Hall is injured. But he's, he's on the Jets with the coaches who have never coached NFL offense before, ever. Matt LaFleur, who has a cool offense, is coming from freaking Davidson. His only other time, it's a Division Nine NFL school where I think he went 1-11 over there, calling plays for them. He's got cool plays. I do like it. I do worry that he's got the the, um, the disease of the short passing and not wanting to do chunk plays thing as well. But um, anyway, so just you look at all those factors around Zach Wilson, and I just keep asking the question again, what do, what do you expect? And why is the expectation he has to be unbelievable right away? And I know what the answer and, – and, and, let me just book, like bookend this by saying I'm not saying Zach's going to end up being awesome or Malik, these super physically talented guys that are going to end up being awesome. But you can't argue the fact that some of the things they do on the field, there are things that Kenny Pickett will never be able to do, that Mac Jones will never be able to do, how that Joe Burrow won't even ever be able to do physically. And that does mean something. You look at the greatest quarterbacks of all time, and many of them have that. Yep, Peyton Manning and Drew Brees are two examples of guys who didn't quite have it. Uh, Tom Brady, it's underrated because his arm is an absolute missile, but it's not the same as Rodgers or Favre or something, I know. But his size and, and arm is really excellent. Uh, ben, we already know about him. Rodgers, you know about him. There's, you know, don't get started on Mahomes and those guys. But So those physical traits are very important. And the quarterback's ability to develop mentally and have a good team around him, those are the TBD things. But I don't think we have quite enough sample size on these guys to find out. But Zach Wilson, by the end of the year, you should have a good idea, right? Because this team is winning games. And by that time, you should be able to assume, hey, this is kind of a reasonable amount of time for us to see something a little bit more consistent from this guy. And you got to let it go. And then that's just your question. Like, what, what is our cutoff point to when we could say we have enough sample size because it's not forever that's not what i'm arguing but it's definitely not right now and also with the josh allen thing i'm I'm all over the place here guys this is a rant this is kind of what this has turned into but there's some good food for thought in here i can't lie to you the josh allen thing people want to make it seem like he was this miracle once in a lifetime hey no one's ever really developed like this prospect And that just could not be further from the truth. And it brings me back to all the talk around him when he was being drafted. So they compared him to, hey, there's been other big athletic quarterbacks who haven't worked in the NFL. So first off, name those quarterbacks for me. Because if it's Jamarcus Russell, it's like, you mean the fat guy who could throw hard because he was fat and couldn't do anything else? Like, that's not an athletically talented quarterback. Like, Ryan Mallett? who was just tall and could throw hard because he could tall, but neither one of those guys could move for crap and their throwing motions were not clean. Like, no, there was, when he was being drafted, oh, his completion percentage is low. There's never, ever been a, a prospect as good as Josh Allen from a talent perspective. The size is 0.01%. It's Cam Newton's size. When you watched him scramble in college, it was blatantly obvious, oh my gosh, this guy has legitimate NFL scrambling quarterback speed, 
at 6'5", 400 pounds. So elite size, elite scrambling, and elite arm. And not just because he's pushing the ball, but because he flicked the ball around. And yeah, he was inaccurate and had bouts of inaccuracy, but so did Cam Newton. And Cam Newton didn't have nearly as pretty of a throwing style. So once again, I'm not saying that Josh Allen was a guaranteed prospect, but he wasn't this insane lab project where there were all these examples of quarterbacks just like him who came out who didn't work out. Like the only other guy I can think about who's an even comparable prospect at that time to Josh Allen was Michael Vick. Like, oh, this guy's just better than everybody. He's faster and he has an unbelievable cannon arm and blah, 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 right? So I, I, I've always had a problem with that analysis. And then he goes to a team in Buffalo that has no talent. They're making the playoffs, but they have because McDermott's a badass and they have good defense, but no receivers to speak of. Like, what is Cole Beasley the number one? A five foot four receiver who runs a five forty, you know? Like, he's fine. That's a three. But no talent around him. And we already know that it's gonna take a few years for him to adjust from Wyoming to the NFL and to read defenses. So what was the expectation? And that's just the, the moral of the story today. Is like it was not a guarantee that Allen was going to be great, but it pretty much was a guarantee that he wasn't going to be great right away. So why do we keep expecting that from people? And it really, what it is, is this Patrick Mahomes <laughs> getting in his first year starting. And you're talking about one of the other all-time talented quarterbacks. It's Brett Favre reincarnated with even better scrambling and uh, even better decision-making in terms of not throwing interceptions and coming into a team with one of the greatest offensive minds in history, plug and play quarterback for Andy Reid. The guy's going to be good. First ballot Hall of Famer at receiver, first ballot Hall of Famer at tight end, great role player supporting you, amazing situation to come into, and just an exception of a guy. Occasionally, there are Dan Marinos, there are Andrew Lux, guys who are day one guys. And so he burned, he melted our brains with that. Joe Burrow, who has been excellent in his time in um, Bengals uniform, making a Super Bowl in his second year, making amazing plays. But really, when you look at their Super Bowl run, the whole season, they didn't win two games consecutively. From the very end, they had some really public awesome performances against the Chiefs, and Burrow has been awesome the whole time, uh, and really mitigated a bad offensive line. But he was also, you know, he's badass. He's, he's kind of an instant... Instant guy, Justin Herbert, also coming. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig, inspiring kid confidence.